This morning we're starting a new four-part series called Why We Do What We Do, which may feel a little bit like Presbyterian propaganda, but I promise it's not meant to. But in the coming weeks, we're going to be covering Presbyterian distinctives on worship, scripture, unity. But this morning, we are beginning by talking about the church, our life together, how we're structured, and why that is important. But at the very heart of our church structure is the idea that every single person in this room has something to bring to the table. We each have value, worth, strengths, gifts, and together, and only together, we make up the body of Christ But we need each other. We need each other's gifts. And as we face the seemingly insurmountable challenges of the 21st century with consumerism and individualism, with a growing suspicion and even hostility towards the church, we need each other to minister, to witness, to love our city. You see, as Presbyterians, we don't believe that the pastor is doing all of the ministry. We're all called to love our neighbors and make disciples. And this idea goes back to the very beginning of the church. Ministry was a communal activity, a team working together, not just one priest or one pastor or one bishop, but the whole body of Christ, each member using their gift for the benefit of others. Presbyterians trace their history to the 16th century and the Protestant Reformation. Stay awake, this isn't a history lesson. (laughs) But the Reformation, friends, was not about the birth of a new religion, but rediscovering the teaching of Scripture. Undoubtedly, the most important invention leading up to the Reformation was the inventing of the printing press by Gutenberg in 1440. Before this time, there might be one Bible in a given town. And it was usually chained down to the pulpit because Bibles were rare. They were incredibly expensive. Do not take your Bibles for granted, friends. After the printing press was invented, literacy rates went up, Bibles became more common, theological writing increased, ideas spread, and the time was right for the Reformation. People were encountering the teachings of Christ, the scriptures, like never before, and people began questioning the totalitarian grip of the Catholic Church, much of which was corrupt. In a time when people were paying for salvation and the forgiveness of sins through indulgencies. When the office of bishop or other church leadership positions could be bought by the highest bidder. Mass was being conducted in Latin, which the common people couldn't even read or understand 
and when clergy were more known for greed, spawning illegitimate children and scandalous living, rather than being known for being humble, wise, caring, and teaching the ways of Christ. Reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ehrlich Zwingli, and John Knox came along with the pages of Scripture to protest the corruption of the Catholic Church. Blood was spilt. Men and women by the thousands were killed on both sides. And the religious and political landscape of Europe changed forever and ultimately changed the history of the entire world. We take for granted the blood that's been spilt, not only that we could worship freely in America, but also that we might worship as Presbyterians. Of course, the two are not unrelated. Presbyterians helped write the Constitution and develop a form of government by the people and for the people, with free elections, democratic process, and checks and balances. As Presbyterians, we don't have a bishop who is appointed by the Pope in order to make decisions on our behalf. Rather, we organize ourselves around democracy with elected officials who seek to lead and serve under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Here at Mountain View, we have six ruling elders with term limits, Three women and three men who make up our session, which is moderated by Pastor John, and both pastors are voting members of session. Friends, we're arranged this way to hold power accountable and to do everything we can to discern the will of God and the direction of our church. Session meetings actually are open to the congregation. So if you ever want to come and sit in on a meeting, don't forget the cookies. (laughs) We open and close with prayer. We always read scripture, and the elders of this church are nominated by standards set forth in the Bible, specifically from passages like 1 Timothy and Titus. The word Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which simply means elder. It's the way we're structured. I remember the first ministry job I ever received. It was not at a Presbyterian church. The denomination shall remain nameless for our purposes this morning. But I was watching a football game with the senior pastor And during commercial, he muted the TV and he looked at me and he said, our youth pastor quit today. I looked at him and said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, so-and-so was a good guy. Pastor said, yeah. Do you want the job? Ah, can I pray about it first? I was 20 years old. There was a church board, but I never met any of them. I was not interviewed, I was not vetted, I never received a background check. And mind you, I was working with kids. I took the job and nobody coached me, nobody supervised me, nobody trained me. And during the time that I worked at this church, I observed the amount of power that this pastor had. 
and anyone who opposed him was jettisoned from the church. This experience sticks with me. Toxic congregations can turn people away from a church for a lifetime. Raise your hand if you or somebody you know has been burned by the church. Look around. Why are we structured the way we are? Because we're dealing with souls and we want to be wise. We want to be careful. And most of all, we want to be God-fearing. No church structure is perfect. Of course, Presbyterians get pretty close. (laughs) Joking, joking, joking. Anytime people are involved, there's going to be dysfunction, sin, and brokenness. And that, of course, happens in Presbyterian churches. But our leadership and our process, which can often seem slow or frustrating at times, is designed for us to hear the voice of God. I was not born Presbyterian. I became Presbyterian after years of searching for a church home. I've regularly attended or served at churches that were Baptist, Nazarene, Missionary Alliance, Foursquare, Episcopalian, Methodist, Assemblies of God, and even Mennonite. I grew up in a church of 20,000 plus, and I was a part of a house church of seven. Presbyterians are not the only way to do things, and I admit it might not be the best way at times, which is why one of our sayings is reformed and always reforming, because we are committed to the process of growth and improvement and learning. It may not be the only way to do church, but I think it's a pretty good way. When the Presbyterian Church took shape in Scotland in the wake of the Reformation, the church did amazing things. They led a nationwide education reform. Presbyterians started schools in Scotland teaching children how to read and write. They started charitable organizations to care for the poor and the marginalized. And later, they would lead the charge in mission initiatives around the world, including places like Korea, India, and Pakistan. Presbyterians would play a pivotal part not only in the founding of America, but working for abolitionism, women's rights, civil rights, and furthering the reach of health care, medicine, and education. And it was a Presbyterian minister, Elijah Lovejoy, who was the first martyr for the abolitionist movement. Elijah was gunned down by a pro-slavery mob in Illinois in 1837. And of course, we have to mention the fact that Fred Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. (laughs) Friends, we have a rich history, but what will be our future? The Presbyterian Church does not work unless the whole body of Christ is present, bringing their strengths 
their wisdom, their passion, and their gifts. That's what the structure of the Presbyterian church is meant to do. Enable, resource, equip the laity for ministry. Pastors are not meant to have the power. John and I aren't even members of this church. We're visitors in this congregation. This is not John's church. This is not my church. This is God's church. And we all are members of that body. Friends, there's two lies that the enemy tries to convince you of. First, you don't have a gift. You're worthless. You can't make a difference. You're unimportant. And secondly, you are alone. And you're better to stay that way. Friends, brothers, sisters, there is absolutely Nothing further from the truth. The holy scriptures remind us, teach us, tell us that you are a part of the body of the Son of God. You have value. You have worth. You have a gift. You have a role in this church. You have a part to play in the story of God. Paul gives a list of gifts in our text this morning. He says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Friends, this list is not conclusive. There are other lists throughout the New Testament with other kinds of gifts. Do you know your gift, because I promise you, you have at least one gift. And are you using your gift? Use it here. Use it out there. Just use it. You think you're too old. We might retire from our jobs, but we do not retire from our faith. You might be noticing there's more and more young families coming to this church. Older folks, you know how incredible of a blessing it would be to help out some of these families with childcare? Younger folks, you know how incredible of a blessing it would help out some of these older folks with mowing their yard, picking weeds, helping around the house? Mentor a student. Teach kids how to read over at Cascade. Help out in our parking lot. Serve coffee. Greet new people. Take someone out to lunch after church or just pray for people. That's something that you can do from a hospital bed. Encourage someone. Lift them up. Point out 
their potential. Start a new ministry. What are you passionate about? Most of the big changes that happen in churches bubble up organically from within the congregation. Use your gift. Don't bury it. Paul says in our text this morning, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Worship is so much more than singing. At its core, it pushes us to reflect the image of God back into the world. Paul brings up worship in this passage, and then he starts talking about gifts and strengths and how we are to treat each other. Worship involves using your gift for others and for God. And when a community does this in unison together, wow, the world starts to change. Scholars have suggested that the church is facing a new shift in culture not unlike what the church faced during the time of the Reformation. If printing presses created a new landscape, how much more has the internet and the rise of media changed the landscape of our culture today? It's a challenging time. We know this. And the enemy wants to dismember the body. The enemy wants you to feel worthless and ineffective. But this is not a time to be afraid. This is not a time to shrink back and hide. It's definitely not a time to bury your talent. It's time to be the church. This is what we were made for, to be with each other, connected as the body of Christ, and to serve with each other. So let's be the church. Let's pray. Oh God, your grace is boundless, and it covers us. It takes many shapes in life, forgiveness, hope, but also community. Community is a grace. The gifts that you instill in us is a grace. So Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us and use us, Lord, to be light in this world, to be light in this community. Lord, we pray that as we prepare ourselves for the offering, we ask, God, that you would take these gifts, the tithes and offering, and use it for your glory to maximize your kingdom. And Lord, teach us to worship you, not just in song, to worship you not just with money, but to worship you with our very lives. Amen.